people. Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here, here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their world for Christ. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe that there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. They are helping God and to acknowledge their helplessness. The Bible says we're not helpless. He said, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly, we may boldly what? That is and what can you say it as if you mean what you are saying we may boldly say that is and I will what can unto me amen men who are helped by God don't fear men do you understand that when you acknowledge the fact that God is your helper then you don't fear what man can do unto you because whatever man can do can touch the one who God helps. Say amen. amen. Because for them to touch you, they have to beat God first. And you know that's not possible. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, we've, we've concluded on the five extinguishers of joy. And like I said, in, I think about two services ago, all these things I have taught, if you are a diligent believer, you will sit down and ask the Holy Spirit to show you any area of your life these extinguishers are extinguishing your joy. Remember, your joy is your strength. Just like your faith is your victory, your joy is your strength. And if you have no strength, brothers and sisters, you will faint in the day of adversity. So if there's any error these five extinguishers are putting at your joy, you, be, you better stop it. Remember, um, Ephesians 4.27 says, Give no place to the devil. Giving any place to those joy extinguishers is giving place to the devil. And you don't do that. Satan cannot just deliberately invade your life. You have to give him permission. And when you don't identify and stop these joy extinguishers, you are giving him permission to interfere with your life. Interfering with your joy is interfering with your strength. And your strength is your life. Hallelujah! Alright, so this uh, second service, I'm going to begin to talk about Releasing the joyful sound. Say amen. Yes. Is anybody here? Yes. I said say amen. amen. That's your, you have to win this war. Say amen. amen. You know, say it like people who are joyful. Say amen. amen. Remember, we don't take vacation on joy. Rejoice always. Is that not true? Always means at all times, including when you're sleeping. So I, I, I don't, don't take vocation on your joy. Keep it flowing. Releasing the joyful sound. What do we mean by that? I've taught something about that, but I'm going to go over it, reinforce it, add some insight that the Spirit of God gave to me so we can be prepared. You know, our team scripture for 2021 is Psalm 89 verse 15. He said, blessed are the people that know the joyful sound, O Lord, for they shall walk in the light of your countenance. So there is, that word light of your countenance means joy, or means favor rather. When we operate joy, we operate favor. So walking in joy is activating the favor of God upon our life. So when I say when I walk in joy, 
I flow in favor. Everybody didn't say that. I'm going to give you one opportunity. Say, when I walk in joy, I flow in favor. Do you understand that? Because favor goes with the joy of God. When you walk in joy, you flow in favor. When you rejoice, you activate favor. Praise the name of the Lord. So we can say the joyful life is a favored life. The joyful life is what? It's a favored life. The enemy understands what joy means to you. So he will do anything to stop it. He will use any irresponsibility around you. He will use any situation and any circumstance or any distraction to keep you in sorrow, keep you worried, keep you bothered, keep you, you know, focusing on issues so that your joy will not flow. Because when joy flows, favor flows. Hallelujah. So when we say when joy flows, favor flows. There is a connection between joy and favor. Psalm 5, verse 11 and 12 says, let them chart for joy. He said, um, he said, rejoice, how did he put it? Verse 11, he said, um, okay, let's go there. Let me read it. The flow is not coming. Let me go there and pick it. Go to Psalm 5, verse 11 and 12. So you see the connection between joy and favor. Hallelujah. 11 and 12, yes, I'm right. He said, but let all those that, yes, that's it, that put their trust in thee rejoice. If you are not rejoicing to God, you don't trust him. Because if anything is strong enough to make you not rejoice, it simply means you have exalted that thing or person above God. Do you understand what I mean? Are, are you getting this? Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. So if I am not rejoicing, it means I don't trust God. That means my, my, my trust is in someone or something else because I have regarded whatever it is that is strong enough to interfere with my joy. But when I rejoice, it's a proof that I trust God. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Why? Because you defend them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful. Glory to God. The word joyful means releasing the joyful sound or to celebrate. Glory to God. Let them be joyful indeed because the focus of joy is him. The focus of joy is his goodness. The focus of joy is God, not the situation. We rejoice in spite of the situation. He said, yet I will rejoice and I will joy in the God of what? My salvation. The enemy will throw a lot of things at you to get your emotion hoodwinked, sidetracked, kidnapped, distracted from focusing on God so that you will look for a reason to be sad, a reason to be unhappy, a reason to be moody, a reason to complain, a reason to murmur. He will give you a lot of that. But when you rejoice, you deflate the, end, uh, uh, the, the attempt of the enemy against you. Look at verse 12. This is the connection. You know when the Bible says, for thou, for thou, it's an interesting English construction. It says, for thou, for thou. You, ideally, grammatically, you don't start a sentence with for thou, except what for thou is referring to is coming from the previous statement. Is that not so? Do you understand what I mean by that? For thou, look at what it says. Look at how it ends. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Verse 11, the last statement there. Are you paying attention? For thou, Lord, watch this. The emphasis of joy is God. Is that not so? For thou, Lord, in other words, as I keep 
the object of my joy on Jesus, on the Lord himself. He said, for the Lord will bless the righteous and with favor will thou compass or surround him as with a shield. Say, favor is my shield. When you keep the joy flowing, favor surrounds you. What will not open for others will open for you. Because the favor of God is an element of God's joy. So when you activate favor, uh, uh, I mean activate joy, favor is bound to speak. Say amen. amen. God doesn't favor grumpy people. You know, just grumpy, complaining, murmuring. That's what I say. He said, do nothing without murmuring and complaining. Philippians 2. Do nothing without murmuring. Why? Because it stops your joy. And whatever stops your joy stops your favor. One of the things I hope you get is that you are responsible for you. The devil you are blaming is just only working on your permission. Did you hear what I said? Bible says, give the devil no place. So if he has a place, somebody gave him. Is that not true? Yeah. What do you think spirit of heaviness is trying to do? It's to secure permission from you. To convince you God can't help you, so you feel helpless. And he comes in and, and does his thing. Okay? So everybody say, releasing the joyful sound. I didn't hear everybody. One more time. All right. Releasing the joyful sound. What is releasing the joyful sound? So let me say it's all about releasing the joyful flow. Of flowing in joy. Releasing the joyful sound, it's about flowing in joy. And you do it all the time. Glory to God. Because as you're going, you're going to run into countless opportunities to be frustrated, to be depressed. But you counter them by rejoicing. Because when you rejoice, you've made a choice against worry. You've decided that whatever will come against my joy, I'm not going to take it. I'll keep my joy flowing. Glory to God. I will not be worried. I will not be bothered. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If, if you're not uh, um, alert to maintaining your joy flow by always releasing the joyful sound, the devil will look for an opportunity to steal your joy. He can even use your child. So, you, know, you know, they let me they hear the word of God. You always they disturb me. You know, they let me they hear the word of God. No, no. Carry the child, speak in tongues. Say, peace, be still. Many of you are not parenting with grace. You are parenting with your power. You think you can slap. You, know, you think you know how to shout. Oh, yeah, try. Go ahead. One day you'll be tired. But put grace in what you are doing. Say amen. Because anything that interferes with your joy is interfering with your destiny. It's as serious as that. Anything that will not make me rejoice at any time is interfering with my destiny. And I will not permit that. Say amen. I will not permit that. Anything that interferes with my joy is interfering with my destiny. Because there are a lot of things God has assigned to my joy. One, strength has been assigned to my joy. Favor has been assigned to my joy. Prophetic blessings has been assigned to my joy. Are you hearing me? Revelation has been assigned to my joy. For with joy, you will draw from the well of salvation. So when anything messes with my joy, it's messing with my destiny. And I better take it out. Say amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All those ungodly mood is a threat to your joy. You have to guard your heart against it. Those emotional expressions... You just feel like being depressed and withdrawn and, you know, it's not, it's not scriptural. You are, you are allowing something to meddle with your joy. And once your joy stops flowing, everything around your hand starts getting corrupted. Because favor doesn't answer anymore. Power and might takes over. 
It's not about what you can make happen in your strength rather than what God can make happen through you. That's how, how the stakes are high when it comes to joy. Some of us are so, listen, I want to make a statement. Everybody pay attention to me. Some of us are so distracted that we don't even know when we're distracted. Did you hear what I said? You are so distracted to the point that you don't even know that you are distracted. It has become like a second nature to you. So you now act, talk, behave, distracted. You can't focus. Your mind is always running different things. So fight for your joy. What did I say? Come on, say fight for it. Bible says rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. 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 So the joyful flow, remember I said releasing the joyful sound, it's all about releasing the joyful flow. Is that not so? The joyful flow. And the joyful flow, write this down, is very important. When I, when I was going through this yesterday, it blessed me. And I trust and hope it blesses you too. The joyful flow refers to attitudes we engage in that releases the joy of the Lord in our spirit. The joyful flow refers to attitudes. Everybody say attitudes. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Like the one you're giving me now. Say attitude. Everybody say attitude. Mm -hmm. Say attitude. Right. So the joyful refers to attitudes we engage in that releases the joy of the Lord in our spirit. Where is joy? In our human born again spirit. Joy is there. But if you're going to release the joyful sound, you must engage in some attitude. It is those attitudes that keeps the joy flow going. What stops the joy flow? Our attitude. If your attitudes are not right, it will stop joy from flowing in your life. Say amen. amen. Glory to God. So how many of you want to release the joyful sound? I've told you that a lot of you that are assigned. In our supply program this year, we're talking about releasing the joyful sound. So I'm going to be teaching along this line. One of the things I'm going to talk about are the things that has been assigned by grace to your joy. What it means, what joy represents to you as a believer. I'm not going to get into that. That would be supply program. What joy represents? I just give you some highlights. Joy represents your favor. Favor is assigned to your joy. Revelation is assigned to your joy. People who don't flow in joy will not walk in revelation or will not walk in understanding because your, your condition does not allow God to give you insight. You can't receive it because you're carnal. The carnal man does not receive the things of the spirit. Hallelujah. All right, so we said the joy flow refers to attitudes we engage in that releases the joy of the Lord in our spirit. The reason God has planted his joy in your heart is so that it can be released into your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason that joy is in your heart is so that you can flow in it or release it into your life. Now, write this down. We, let me give you a little bit of uh, what you call some recall or some revision. We did say, if you remember, that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. True or false? Did we say that? Yeah, it's in the Word. We said that joy is one of the fruit of our born-again spirit. And we said it's not the fruit of the Holy Ghost, it's the fruit of our spirit, born-again spirit. Is that not so? Now, now, hear this. And we said... Okay, I don't, I don't mean... If, okay, fine. And we said that each of these fruit, no, we didn't say it's fruits, but fruit. It's one fruit, and that fruit is love. But within the fruit, it's layers, nine layers 
of virtues. Everybody say virtues. Each of these fruits represents virtues of eternal life. Everybody say virtues of eternal life. You know when we use the word virtue? It means the character of God. When we got born again, we receive eternal life. That life is a person, and that person is Jesus. Is that not so? He's called eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. When we got born again, we receive eternal life. Eternal life came alive in us. And with that eternal life, there are virtues of eternal life that came with us. Virtues of eternal life. And the Bible reveals to us there are nine of them. Nine of them. One of them is joy. Say joy. joy. Say joy is a virtue of eternal life. So when you rejoice, you are demonstrating the life of God. That's what you're doing. It's not natural. To rejoice is not a natural thing. To rejoice is a spiritual thing. Do you understand that? Write it down. So stop looking for natural reasons. To rejoice is spiritual because it flows from the life of God in us, which is spiritual. So joy is one of the virtues of divine life in us. Glory to God. Say, I hear you. Say, I hear you. Now, get that. Now, let me connect what I just said with what we referred to in the joy flow. We said to release the joyful sound, we must release the joyful flow. Is that not so? And what is the joyful flow? It means to release the joyful sound. Is that not, is that not true? And the joyful flow means for that to happen, there are some attitudes we must engage in that will cause us to always release joy. Is that not true? Is that not true? Very good. Now, there is a connection between the fruit of the Spirit and our attitude. There's a connection. Everybody say there's a connection. Say there's a connection. Yeah. Each of this virtue or each of this quality of the fruit of the Spirit must become an attitude in our soul if we're going to function in them. What did I say? Each of the fruit of the Spirit. We call the fruit of the Spirit virtues. Outflow of God's life. Each of those virtues must become an attitude in our soul if we're going to release them. We're focusing on joy for now. Is that not true? So if I'm going to release joy, I have to allow joy to influence my soul and become an attitude in my soul so I can release it. If the fruit doesn't become an attitude, it won't show. Hello? Whatever spiritual value you have, until it becomes an attitude in your soul, it will not speak in your life. Did you hear what I said? Let me rewind. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Say, in my born-again spirit, I possess the virtues of eternal life. Otherwise called the fruit of the spirit. Say, I possess the fruits of the spirit. Say, I have joy. Say, joy is in me. Say, I have the fruit of joy. Say, amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That, that's what you carry on the inside. Now, for that joy to speak, it must become an attitude. For faith to speak, it must become an attitude. For joy to speak, it must become what? An attitude. Whatever you possess in Christ that does not become an attitude cannot be received into your life or it cannot function in your life. So, we're going to look at what I call the attitudes of joy. Everybody say attitude of joy. Each of these attitudes helps you release the joyful sound. But first of all, what is an attitude? Everybody say attitude. 
I didn't hear you say attitude. attitude. Glory to God. To manifest joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit, the virtue of joy must become an attitude in us. Is that not so? Now, until what we know, write this down, it will help you. Until what we know, what did I say? Very good. Until what we know becomes an attitude, it has not been received in our soul. Until what? See, everything God has given you is in your spirit. But your soul must work with your spirit if it's going to benefit from what God has deposited in your spirit. Every resource of grace is in your spirit. Why? Because your spirit is in union with Christ. That is the source of grace. But if what you carry in God in the spirit will speak in your life, it must become an attitude in your soul. Your soul refers to your mind, your will, and what? Your emotion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Until what you know becomes an attitude, it will not speak in your life. Say that. So until what I know becomes an attitude, it will not speak in my life. Hello? Whatever forms the attitude in your soul will define where, where your life, what your life will become and where your life will go. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it's not the revelation of who you are in God, something else will form your attitude. And if it's not from God, it will fight against your destiny. You possess God's nature, but you have a foreign attitude in your soul that will not allow you to walk in the reality of what you carry in God. The challenges with many Christians today are attitude. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Say, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. All right. What is attitude? Write this down. A word called joyful attitude or godly attitude because attitude is a blank word. But I'm defining attitudes in the context of kingdom. Is that clear? So you need to understand that. Okay, let's use a good word. Say kingdom attitude. Let's add that to it. Say kingdom attitude. Okay, so write that down. Good. So kingdom attitude is when our soul, what is my soul? Say my mind. That's my thinker. My mind represents my thinker. Say my will. That's my chooser, my choice. And my emotion. My emotion is what? My feeler. Is that not so? So your soul is made up of your mind, will, and emotion. Okay? Now, attitude is where, kingdom attitude is when our soul embraces the truth of who we are in Christ. Kingdom attitude is when our soul, our mind, our will, our emotion embraces the truth of who we are in Christ. Let me give you another definition of attitude. Attitude is the imprint of who we are in the soul. Attitude is what? The imprint. Imprint means something that has been marked or engraved. When who you are becomes an attitude in your soul, then you will experience who you are. But when who you are is not an attitude yet, it will not change what you do. Am I making any sense? Let me show you what the scripture says and it summarizes. Go to 3 John 1 and verse 2. 3 John 1 verse 2. The Bible describes 
kingdom attitude in a disrespect. Third John 1 and verse 2. Are we there? Quickly, what does it say? Beloved, I wish above all things. That word wish, the Greek word for wish is to pray or to desire. So it's not the English word for wish. That word wish means to desire or to pray. I wish or I pray or desire above all things that you may prosper. Say what me say, it's God's will for me to prosper. Say that. Say it's God's will for me to prosper. I don't think it has entered some of you. Say it is God's will for me to prosper. Do you know one of the reasons we confess the word and declare it regularly is because we want the word to be imprinted in our soul. Once it gets imprinted in our soul, then we are ready to experience the power that it commands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because when you confess the word, it is whatever has dominated your soul that will define what will be happening in your life. So if it is not the word of God that is influencing the way you think, the way you choose, and the way you feel, you will reject the truth of who you are. I don't know if I'm making any sense here. Hello? Do you understand that? So he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper. This is God's will. Even though God wants you and I to prosper, not only prosper, look at the next thing. He said, I want you to prosper and be in health. Say with me, say it's God's will for me to prosper and be in health. Does God want you to prosper? You are not answering like you believe that. Does God want you to prosper? Can you say it boldly and loudly if you believe that? Does God want you to prosper? Does God want you to be in health? That word be in health means to be sound in body health. See, it's not, it didn't spiritualize it. It means you want you to have sound health in your body. God doesn't want you sick. God says, it, I wish, I desire that you prosper and be in health. But this is the condition. Are you ready? Even as thy soul prospers. What is the prosperity of your soul? It is when what God wills becomes an attitude in your soul. When it becomes an attitude, that means what God has said takes over the way you think, the way you choose, and the way you feel. Then you'll be able to experience what God has promised. The reason why many of us seem to have been far from the will of God is because what God has said has not become an attitude. Our attitude is still being regulated by carnality. We have a spiritual rich inheritance and resource, but the attitude in our soul is carnal. So the way we think is carnal, the way we choose is carnal, and the way we feel is carnal. So if carnality is in my soul, my attitude is carnal. Is that not true? Is that not true? And if the imprint in my soul is carnal attitude, it will resist who I am in Christ. Because I'll be dominated by carnal things, carnal choices, carnal feeling, carnal thinking. And when you're thinking carnally, you are always tired and weak. Most of the weakness many of us feel is not body, it's mind. Hello? I've proved this to you before, time without number. Let me give you a time. Have you ever felt so tired? You came back to the house, you were very tired. You are just literally exhausted. And, and the only thing in your mind is just eat and go and sleep. Then as you were about to, you finish eating, you've taken your bath, and you're about to lie down on the bed and take a good snooze. Your phone rings. Ring, ring, ring. Oh, who is this person? I won't sleep. Then so let me please. Ah, how far? Ah, sorry, I have good news, oh. Hey, good news. You just won a huge contract, 50 million. Will you sleep? 
Talk to me now. Will you sleep? That tiredness you are faking now because you cannot survive one hour of the word of God now. Will you sleep? Hey! Then the person that wants to sleep will start dancing. One hour. He won't stop. He will dance and dance and dance. He will carry his phone. He will call this person. He will call that person. Those are the ones that he can trust to. He will call and call. Hey, Jesus, so oh, two o'clock. Why not you sleep now? Why my eyes shine? That's the power of your mind over your body. But the problem with many of us, the reason why I've touched, so that when we're listening to the word of God, we're so distracted. The reason is because the imprint in your soul is carnal attitude. Is that it has trained you not to sustain God's word in your heart. That's why you don't rejoice. Because the, the, the imprint in your soul is carnal attitude. It's resisting who you are in God. But the Bible says you can only prosper and be in it even as your soul prosper. And when your soul prospers, that means the imprint of the attitude in your soul is from the word. See, I hear you. Am I talking to somebody? So prosperity is when our mind, will, and emotion has been renewed with the knowledge of the truth of God's word. So the way I think is grounded in truth. The way I feel is grounded in truth. You know, some of you cannot even control your emotions. If something is upsetting you, you, it will not only just show on you, it will show around you. Do you understand what I mean by that? It will not just show on you, it will show what? It pollutes everything around you. So if you are nasty, you are nasty to everybody. Say, that's who I am. That's not who you are. It is bad imprint in your soul that is ruining your life. And you got to change that. Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Why? Because we have acquired bad imprints in our soul. Bad attitude from the system of the world. It's in our soul. Be not conformed to them, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Renewing of your mind. God built us well. Say amen. Oh, he built us well. You were designed and built for joy. Anything that tells you otherwise is lying to you. But you know, hearing what I'm saying. You were built and designed for joy. It's your design. It's your makeup. And every time you try to function outside design, you introduce constraints into you. Have you tried using something for the purpose for which, I mean, you say a car. It's not a pickup. But the drivers want to turn it to a pickup. So they will load gas. They will load something on top of the car. Then when the car is going, you see the car, see if the car is complaining, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Have you seen cars like that? Yeah, because they're trying to turn the salon to a pickup. Such cars will not last. They will part, they will part the shock, part it, part it, part it, until one day the thing will refuse to be parted. Because you're using the car for what it wasn't designed for. You were built for joy, you were not built for sorrow. You were not designed for discouragement. You were not designed to be heavy. You were not designed to be sad. It's not in your design. There is no sadness in God, so you didn't pick it from him. It's bad imprint in the soul that's lying to you that you have your, so you know, I always have my sessions and my seasons. Sometimes I just feel like withdrawing is bad imprint on the soul. And you need to get it renewed. Say, I hear you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Thus, attitude, write this down. Kingdom attitude can also apply in, in other areas. Kingdom attitude is a cultivated way. Everybody say cultivated. I did a Greek in my secondary school. I have a little bit of knowledge. Cultivation has to do with planting. When you want to do cultivation, you prepare the soil. Is that not so? Yeah, you first of all clear the ground, prepare the soil. When you prepare the soil, then you plant the seed. Is that not true? You plant the seed. When you plant the seed, you make sure it has enough moisture. 
Sometimes you may have to water, but if it's in a place where moisture will be there, you do that. Then also you weed it. You, you prevent weed from interfering with the seed. Because if weed does that, it will prevent the seed from not growing well. I could kill it. So you weed it so that you create the enabling environment around the seed so that the seed can germinate and produce. Is that not true? Those entire process is called cultivation. So attitude, kingdom attitude, is a cultivated way of thinking. If, if one of the things I know among believers is that they are bad thinkers. Bad news is bad. It's very, very bad. Talking, listen, it's bad. But thinking bad is worse. There's a woman, I heard this from Pastor Biome. There's a woman, every time they want to say, ah, uh, uh, honey, have you locked the door? Please, go and lock it. So I'm robust, not come. I beg go, I beg go. I'm robust, not come. The man said, okay, he will go down and lock it. One day, Ah, you don't check the door, make sure Amram might not come. Okay. They went downstairs. They had broken into the house. So the point where he pointed a gun. Your money on your life. <laughs> the man just looked at the man. He just shook his head like this. He was going, he said, wait, 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 wait. Where are you going? He said, your partner there upstairs. He's been expecting you for a very long time. Go and meet her upstairs. She's upstairs. She's been expecting you for a very long time. What you don't understand is that your attitude is your expectation. Surely there is an end. But the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. If your attitude is bad, your expectation is bad. And your life will always go in the direction of your attitude. So mind your attitude. Look at the number say, mind your attitude. Mind your attitude. If you have learned attitude of talking anyhow, you better change it. Because it will ruin your life. So now, now, now so I've been, all of us, now, so they talk. We don't talk anyhow. No, we don't talk. All of us game out. What do you mean you game out? You are talking as if it's a compliment. Is it a compliment? It's ruining your life. See, now, so you talk. No, you talk. We talk our mind. That's a stupid way of putting being rude. So, now, so we talk our mind. No, we're very expressive. No, that's not being expressive. That's being rude. There is a decent way of talking. So, write this down. Say, kingdom attitude is a cultivated way of thinking, speaking, and acting. Kingdom attitude is a cultivate. This thing, this thing is going on. What's going on? King David, what's happening here? You're shaking your head. I'm going to see three minutes now. Kingdom attitude is a cultivated way of thinking, speaking, and what? And acting. Train your mind to think kingdom. What did I say? And how do you do that? You do that through the word of God. You don't allow circumstance to define how you think. You don't allow bad news to influence how you think, how you speak, and how you act. Some of you, all it takes is one bad news is in your mouth, it's in your thinking, it's in your feeling, and it's in your behavior. And you show it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. All right, so here it is. Let me give you some important truths about attitude. We choose or decide our attitude. What did I say? Yeah. You are responsible for your attitude. You were not born with a bad attitude. You learnt it. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. You learnt it. To say otherwise means God created you as a robot. And he didn't create you as a robot. Hello? If you have an attitude that is not helping you receive the word of God well, change it. What did I say? If you have an attitude that is not making you rejoice, what do you do? Change it! Stop becoming a point of sorry and sorrow. What did you see? You say, no. 
do show you okay. Hey, yeah, do. Are you not tired of that kind of thing? How can they turn you to the sorrow person in the old place? When, if I want you call, then you will not be encouraging them. What is it now? now? What is it? What is it now? I just, the things when they worry me, they're plenty. <laughs> they're plenty. Only you. Bad attitude. Bad. You've developed an attitude of complaint. It's called complaining. Using situation as a justification to be sad. Shafa. Say, man, I just tire. What do you mean you tired? Are you running or something? What's wrong? What is making you tired? I just, I don't know. Things just get as it be. What thing get as it be? What is it? And you know, just sometimes they don't even know. It's bad attitude. But kingdom attitude is a cultivated. When you use the word cultivated, it means number one, it is intentional. You must be intentional about what and how you think. Intentional. You don't think anyhow. In uh, Philippians 4 and, and verse, um, verse 8, the Bible is very specific and intentional about what should guide the way you think. The Bible did not guess what. It's straightforward. Whatsoever is what? Pure. Whatsoever is true. Whatsoever is lovely. Whatsoever is um, just or right. It, does it have any virtue or excellence? Is it excellence to be worried? Excellent to be worried? No. It said, does it have any praise? Is it something that causes you to celebrate or praiseworthy? If it's not, then you drop it. Don't be careless with your thinking or you will not flow in joy. Believers who are very careless, they just wake up and pick up any mood that is flying in the air. Just get up, Shafa. Say, I don't know. I wake up, Shabbat. I say, I wake up. I just feel sad. What do you mean? Who gave you? Say, I don't know. I just, everything's just the time. Excuse me. Nothing they tire you. Stop talking like that. Cultivated way of thinking. Speaking and acting. So we choose our attitude. You are responsible. Nobody gave it to you. you don't, don't tell me your father was not there when you were growing up. It is not a justification. Don't tell me your father didn't raise you. There are many people that their father didn't raise and they are doing very well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are you doing? Do they have seven heads? You you you've, you've so, I mean, cornered your situation, cornered it, and you've made a special bet for it inside your mind. Every bad thing is my father. I did have a father. I did have a father. I did have a father. And this mother, I did have a father. I didn't grow up well. Are you not tired of using that story? What's your problem? You are resisting the goodness of God in your life because you have a bad attitude of looking for things to justify murmuring. That's why you're not rejoicing because you have a bad attitude. There is an attitude that joy flows with. Say amen. amen. Attitude in this regard, because you choose your attitude, attitude in this regard defines the climate over our life and decides our destiny because your attitude is your choice. It defines the climate around your life. There are people you come around them, favor just starts flowing with you. Just by coming close to them, favor speaks around them. I'm one of, kind of that kind of person. Why? Because I've chosen to define my climate around me. I don't allow what's going on there to define my climate. I define my climate. Are you hearing me? If I'm going to travel, I speak over the air. If I'm going by plane. If I'm going by land, I speak over the land. I don't just drop in a guy, you know, Lord, Lord of Jesus, soak the driver with the blood. Soak, soak. What kind of prayer? Where did you learn that nonsense? What do you mean soak? Did Jesus pray like that? Or the disciple pray like that? Or do you think that's how you apply the blood? So I, I soak the driver. I soak the conductor. I soak everybody. Soak, soak, soak. 
kind of stupid prayer is that? Where did you learn that one from? I saw a team of a program one day, and, and I asked some of my colleagues, I said, where do people get such things? It's bad attitude. He said, who bribed my angel? Do they bribe angel? It's a team of a program. Who bribed my angel? And some of you say, glory, hallelujah, solid program. What is solid there? Say, who bribed my angel? And people will go for that kind of meeting. Some of us are coming from Bagasso who have been taught to think negatively and think wrong. Who bribed my angel? Psst. Hallelujah. What does attitude represent for us? Write this down. Write this down. Number one, this is very serious and I need to get this. Because what I'm telling you is applies to every truth in the world. Write this down. Number one, your attitude represents your stand and your reality. Whatever has become an attitude is your stand. It's what you have decided as your stand. And your stand is what you believe in. It's your belief system. It is what you reference. It is what influences what you do, what you say, how you act, and how you relate to people. That's your stand. And it's your reality. Reality means that's how you see life. Reality means how you see life. Your attitude is the truth you have chosen that defines how you see life. That's your attitude. So beware. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? You know, I had a very small incident with my son. I was eating granite when I went to... He will laugh now when I say this. I went to pick them from school. So we just came back from Lagos then. So I said, ah, will you mind? He said, Daddy, I don't, I don't like granite. I said, eh? You don't what? You don't like granite. <laughs> I laughed. She was looking at me. I said, it's too young to be selecting what you don't like now. Very, very young. You're too young. And I said, for your information, if you think it will give you pimple, it's a lie. There's nothing like that. It's not scientific. Some of you believe that's why you don't eat granite. You can bring it to me, I will eat it for you. I say it's very, some of us, because of attitude, we have a lot of other people's like to become our like, and their dislike to become our dislike. There's no medical, whatever, there's no scientific explanation. You just sit down and say, I don't like eating this at your young age. I better, you better start eating by now. You're selecting what? What do you want to select? <laughs> when I was growing up as a young person, we ate more for survivor. Now I can choose some things I eat. I can select what I eat. But there was a time I didn't have that luxury. We eat to survive. Okay? Then, then you not tell your stomach you are reacting. Reacting to what? You will be hungry. Be reacting. <laughs> react what? React king. Come for where? We didn't react to anything. I don't forbid anything. Forbid. Yeah, you have luxury to forbid. Me, I don't forbid. We eat anything that is available. You can drink Gary morning, afternoon, and evening. Yes. Anything, say, react, say, say, react. say I'm having heart ball. You have time for heart ball. Let your heart be burning you. Hallelujah. All right. Write this down. Our attitude represents our faith. Remember, your faith is your conviction in God. Whatever becomes your attitude defines your conviction. So faith is a conviction. So faith is an attitude. So whatever you are allowed to form your attitude will define how your faith will function. So your attitude represents your faith. And finally, on this one, your attitude represents your worship. Whatever defines your worship is what you idolize, or what you serve, or what you give your attention to. Whatever defines your attitude will define your attention. 
And attention is the core of worship because attention comes from a word called adoration. Adoration means to give attention to the one who you love, the one you adore, and the one you serve. So your attitude is your worship. If God is not the one that defines your worship, I mean your attitude, then you are worshiping something else, not God. And, and you can only tell when something else occupies your heart outside God. It will always define your say. No matter what you are doing, it will always cut in and put you back to where it wants you. Because your attitude is your worship. So be careful. Say amen. amen. Alright. Let's apply the principle of attitude to the joy flow. Are you ready for this? I'll lay the foundation for that and we'll begin to look at it. Joy is already in me. Say that. Say joy is already in me. Joy is already in me. Say that one more time. Say, I've got joy. Because joy was seeded in me. Now, watch this. Watch this. Now, but to express the joy, that joy must become an attitude in my soul. Is that not so? And there is a word that describes the attitude of joy in the soul. It is called being joyful. Everybody say, being joyful. Being joyful is cultivating the attitudes of joy that allows you to rejoice all the time. Say amen. amen. Come on, shout glory. glory. Write this down. To be joyful is an attitude of faith because it's not based on the circumstances, it's based on the word of God. When we say something is of faith, we're saying that it's based on the word, not, not the senses, not feelings, not what you see, what you hear, but it's based on the word. Say with me, say to be joyful is an attitude of faith. What does it mean to be joyful? It means to cultivate the attitude that enables you to release joy. See, I hear you. All right? So, to be joyful is an attitude. To be joyful is thinking, speaking, and acting joyful. Hallelujah. To be joyful is what? Thinking, speaking, and acting joyful. It's called the attitude of joy. It's thinking, speaking, and acting joyful. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Now, write this, add this to it. To be joyful is thinking, speaking, and acting joyful, irrespective of what the senses, experience, and situation says. I will yet rejoice, even though all the condition before me is against the normal. I will yet rejoice and I will joy in the God of my salvation. So a joyful believer is a believer that thinks, speaks, and acts joyful irrespective of what the senses, uh, experiences, and situations say. Sometimes your experience don't want you to rejoice. Your experience is the product of your reasoning. And usually sometimes it has issues. You, you, you have some experience, and those experiences are product of your reasoning. It is your reason that produces your experiences. And sometimes you may have had some experiences that may not want you to rejoice. But, but you see, your being joyful does not regard that. Because being joyful has got nothing to do with whether my experience is good, whether my experience is bad. Hello? Are, are you hearing me? Or the popular way, good, bad, the ugly. Whether it's ugly too, it doesn't define me. My being joyful has got nothing to do with what I see. It's got nothing to do with what I hear. It's got nothing to do with the sense realm or how I feel. I rejoice because he says I should rejoice. See, I hear you. So why do you rejoice? I rejoice because he said it. Say amen. amen. And also the situation does not define my joy. Glory to God. Say glory to God. 
You know the issue with some of you is that you want something to make you shout. God has given you it. His word is his reason for you to shout. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. That's all you need. You don't need any other thing. Him is the reason for joy. Say amen. amen. And if God is not enough reason for you to be joyful, I don't know what your problem is. I'm sure the gospel cannot help you. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Let me give you some scriptures. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Kalakaliashkatradi. Joyful is thinking, speaking, and acting joyful, irrespective of what the senses, circumstances, experiences say. It doesn't define your joy. You're joyful because he told you to be joyful. He said it, so I'm joyful. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4. Are you there? Look at what Paul said. This is so powerful. How many of you know that Paul went through a lot of tribulation in the course of preaching the gospel? How many of you know that? He was beaten several times. Yeah? He was beaten. He was arrested. He was almost killed. At one point, he was even beaten to death. He came back to life because his destiny wasn't over. So Paul endured a lot of reproach for the sake of the gospel. He said, I traveled oftentimes in peril. He had had several shipwrecks where the boat destroyed and they were hung on sea for days. All for the cause of the gospel. Yet, he was full of joy. That tells you that joy has got nothing to do with natural thing. May you be restored to that place of truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Where you are not waiting for one testimony to make you jump. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to wait for a testimony. God is enough testimony for joy all the time. 2 Corinthians 7, 4. What did he say? Great is my boldness of speech. What is boldness of it? That means the way I speak. There's boldness. And when you speak boldly, it means you speak confidently. Is that not true? Hmm? When you say, great is my boldness of speech towards you. That means I speak towards you with confidence or boldness. He said, great is my glorying of you. What does glory mean? He said, great is my celebrating you. Celebrating what God. The word glory is a connection between Christ and what he's doing in the life of the people. So he said, great is my glorying in you. That means celebrating the goodness of God in your life. When you glory, you are celebrating the goodness of God. He said, great, um, great is my speech or great is my boldness of speech towards you. Then also great is my glorying of you. And for your information, if you check history, the saints were going through a difficult time then. Are you hearing me? Many of them lost their business because they got saved. Many of them were kicked out of their house because they got born again. How many of us today will go through that and still serve God? Say, God, what they don't do to me now? Eh? Which can't tell me this one? Which can't reproach? I thought you said that the blessing of the Lord make it rich and added no sorrow. What is all this now? This is sorrow. You will even apply the Bible wrongly. Look at what it says. Say, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glory of you. Celebrating Christ and what he has done in you. Look at what he said. I am filled with comfort. You would have thought he was saying this on an ideal situation. Everything is all rosy and sweet and nice. But he says, I am exceeding joyful in what? In all that true. You know what tribulation means? Tribulation means problem, pressure, challenges. Paul is telling them what we're going through is not, listen to this, what we are going through is not changing our perception, is not changing our vision, 
It's not changing our language. It's not changing our stand. It's not changing our followership. It's not changing our prayer life. It's not changing our Bible reading life. It's not changing our celebrating the fact that God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And when you function like this, Satan is in trouble. You didn't hear what I said. Oh, Satan is in trouble. He said, great. I'm exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Many of you will complain. Just all, all it takes is just what everybody say one. One disappointment, your face will change. One, only one. You just squeeze face. Then you now back the squeeze face with complaint. Just one. These guys were living in tribulation. Let me show you one more scripture, then I'll stop. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 34. Yeah, Hebrew chapter 4, 10, verse 34. We'll stop with that. The next, we'll be looking at those attitude of joy. Glory to God. All right, Hebrews 10, verse 34. The Bible says, For you had compassion of me in my bones. The word compassion is divine expression of love. It's not pity. Hey, sorry. Hey, did they beat you because you did preach? No, 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 no. That's not compassion. Compassion, they were rejoicing in spite of what he was going through. And they were celebrating the goodness of God in his life. That's what compassion meant. He said, then look at what he said. And took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Not align the momentary alteration of situations and circumstances in your life to affect the way you celebrate God. That's what Paul is talking about here. Oh, well, not Paul. We don't know that Paul didn't write this, but you understand that. It's implied. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said you took joyfully. That means what happened to you did not, it didn't phase you. It didn't cause you to begin to lessen your commitment to God and lessen your time of fellowship to God, negotiating your engagement with God. He said you took joyfully and you celebrated as if nothing happened to me. That's what joy can do. Say amen. When you rejoice, it insulates you from the temporal discomfort of the system of this world. And that's what you're not going to be dealing with as long as we're here. There will be changes of events, circumstances, situations, situations that are not appropriate. Some of them may not be what you planned for. They will show up in your life. But in spite of them, you can still walk in joy. Say amen. amen. Because joy is our strength. Joy is our victory. Joy is our revelation. Say I hear you. Joy is our place of favor. Say I hear you. And that's why when you celebrate in spite of all these, God turns it around and works it together for your good. Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Begin to talk to Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.